Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, powered by Ritter Sports Performance. This podcast is dedicated to helping swim coaches and swimmers learn how to properly implement dry land and strength training programs that result in moving better, reducing injuries, and swimming faster. Let's join your host, Chris Ritter. Welcome to the Surge Strength Podcast, everyone. Hope you're doing well. So we are just this week starting something new that I'm really excited about, and I want to make sure you are a part of it. So if you are not already following our Surge Strength account on Instagram, you need to do that today. It's at surge.strength to follow us on Instagram. And we are now doing a Technique Tuesday dry land challenge on Instagram. It's going to be on uh, Tuesdays, probably every other Tuesday. We're still flushing out the schedule and we'll let you know, especially if you're following us on the account. But here's the whole idea. If you guys remember a few weeks ago, uh, we did a webinar with Swim Swam and Mel Stewart, and we had coaches come on that talked about their experience of becoming Surge Strength Dryland certified. And one of those coaches in particular, I believe it was Sarah, she talked about how being certified now helped her, especially when she was coaching her athletes on new movements or new skills, particularly like the hinge, because before she became Dryland certified, she didn't really know what to look for or how to do the progression. But now that she was, she was much more confident. And yeah, if the kids didn't look the best sometimes, as long as she knew we were in a safe range of the movements they were doing or the ranges of motion or whatever it was about trying to learn to hinge, she knew they were okay because now she had the knowledge by going through the curriculum that we have when you become surge strength dryland certified, that she had the confidence that, hey, it's not going to look great for a few days, probably maybe in a few weeks, but we're on the right track. And that just got me thinking about how a lot of coaches, I'm sure, are in her same situation where maybe don't know a lot about dryland. So you probably just stick to the stuff you do know, like squats, pushups, lunges, and you're not sure how do I teach the hinge or how do I take someone that is not able to do a pull up at all and get them to do multiple body weight strict pull ups. And so the whole idea behind this Technique Tuesday dryland challenge that we're going to do on Instagram is we're going to have a movement a month. And for the first week of that month, we're going to have a very basic exercise. So for instance, the squat, we're going to do a body weight squat. And we want all the coaches, all the athletes to tag us to share their technique doing a body weight squat. We're going to highlight a case study. We're going to break it down and say, hey, here's the things that's going really well with this athlete that's squatting. Here's maybe some things that we could continue to work on. And then in a few weeks later, we're going to go on a more advanced squat exercise. So the whole idea is we want to see your technique. We want to see you guys trying, getting better, moving towards that ultimate technique. It's the same thing in the water, right? You're always working on your stroke. It's never set. You're always trying to get better and better. Even the greatest swimmers in the world, you know, Phelps always talked about how he's continuing to hone his stroke. It's the same thing on dryland. I don't care how often you've done push-ups, squats, pull-ups, deadlifts. There's always something that we can do to get a little bit better, to get that technique a little bit more honed. And so I feel like this is a great way that we can involve coaches, athletes all over the world, encourage them in doing dryland and trying to have great technique when you're doing dryland. So check it out. 
Instagram at surge.strength. It's going to be on Tuesdays, uh, December 1st here, just a few days ago, depending on when you're listening to this, was our uh, first couple ones that we're doing. And then make sure you're following us on Instagram and we'll let you know the schedule they're going forward. But I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to help a lot of coaches and athletes because you can watch the people that we're posting, highlighting, and see, oh, I see what they're doing there. I can apply that to what I'm doing in today's dryland or how I'm coaching my swimmers in today's dryland. So I think it's going to be really helpful. I'm really excited about it. On today's episode, though, for Inside the Surge Strength Academy, we are going to be going over a lesson straight from the certification about doing dryland before or after swimming. It's a very common question I get from coaches all the time. Chris, what's the best way? And if you're stuck doing dryland only before or only after swimming, what do you do with that as well? We're going to talk a little bit about that. And remember, this is just one lesson of dozens of lessons that we have inside the Surge Strength Academy, which is inside the Surge Strength uh, Dryland curriculum there. And this is just a great way, I feel like, if you're listening to the podcast, even if you're already in the academy or you're already certified, just great reminders every now and then. Oh yeah, I need to be thinking about that as I'm putting together my Dryland workout. So today, whether your Dryland's before or after swimming, hopefully this segment's gonna help you think through that a little bit better. And then in our Dryland talk, I go really in-depth and answer a uh, coach-submitted question to us, uh, Stephen, out in Australia there. He's working with some really high, high-level swimmers, and he had a great question. felt like it was a lot that I could probably talk about for a great uh, Dryland talk episode on the podcast, so that's what you're going to get there. Inside the Surge Strength Academy. Dryland before or after swimming? That's what I'm going to be covering on this lesson. It's a pretty common question too. If you remember to back in some of the previous lessons and modules so far in the surge strength, the dryland certification, the biggest thing you need to remember is whichever goes first is going to by default kind of have the priority for that day. So you need to be deliberate in picking or at least be aware. Maybe you're not in control of your schedule as much that you can't decide which goes first every day that you want. And if you're stuck in kind of a situation where you're always doing dryland before or always doing dryland after, that's okay, but you still just need to understand how to manipulate it going forward. And we're going to have lessons after this one diving into each of those circumstances in particular. But overall, the big picture is an athlete only has a limited amount of energy. So therefore, whichever one is going first, dryland or swimming, that gets the priority of the energy. And the second session, while it still can be a good session, it's just not going to have the upper level energy, potential, um, maximal strength and power output that it could have had in the first session. So remember, the first one always is going to get priority. One of the interesting things in this, though, is if you do something like post-activation potential that we've talked about in previous lessons and have that specifically in a dryland session where it's before swimming, particularly if it's a shorter dryland session, that can actually elevate sometimes the level the athlete could have at least at the beginning of the practice. Obviously, it depends on what type of practice that is and also what's the intensity of the dryland you're doing before. But these are just some things to keep in mind as well. Some general guidelines before we get into specifics in the coming lessons. The younger the athlete, the less this really matters. So for those eight, 10 and unders, it really doesn't matter if they do dryland before or after because the type of dryland they're doing it doesn't require maximal strength 
maximal power coordination movement rhythm they could still do that and the intensity in the water really isn't going to be that high either on the other hand the older the athlete the more it really matters especially when you talk about master swimmers in their 50s 60s 70s and beyond recovery is the biggest thing and so some of them they may do okay with a back-to-back -back swim strength session but they may need to be really deliberate if it's a hard strength session that probably should go first they really want a good swim session that should probably go first or it if, if they need to maybe need to space them out even by an hour or two just so they can snack get some fuel in them some hydration and then go to that second session so the younger probably less it matters older the athlete probably the more it matters it also matters how intense each session is particularly the first session the first session isn't that intense it's not going to have as much of an effect on the second session in that back-to-back -back. but if the first session is very intense you need to understand to have different expectations as a coach on what you expect out of that second back-to-back -back session knowing the first part was really intense so that's just some general guidelines in the coming lessons we're going to get real specific on what to do before after whether you're having dry land before or after swimming and if it's a shorter or longer session as well but that does it for this lesson dry land talk on this segment of Dryland Talk, I'm answering a question that we got emailed in from a coach, uh, Coach Stephen there out in Australia. And it was a really great question, a lot of detail. And I felt like the only way to do it justice really was to record it instead of, you know, taking hours to write up an email response. And I'm going to be able to get a lot more uh, better information out to you, Stephen. And guess what? Other coaches are probably very similar situation to you. So here's some quick background, not super quick, but a very thorough background by Coach Steven here. And then we're actually going to get into the nuts and bolts of what he's asking here. So he says, hi, Chris, I'm an SNC coach working at a National Sports Institute. I've worked with elite and sub elite swimmers across the distance event spectrum, including a very good 50 meter freestyle swimmer who is currently based in Australia. I no longer work with swimmers. However, I was recently asked to help out with a special case. Just some questions on what you would recommend. I have a male sprinter who, if Tokyo 2021 does go ahead, hopefully cross your fingers, will form part of the IOC refugee team. He is Syrian born, but grew up in Saudi Arabia. His coach has a strong belief in high volume training. For the level of swimmer he is, his PB in the 50 meter freestyle long course is 24.1. He is very strong. Relatively strength ratio of uh, chins is... Uh, Strength ratio of chins is 1.73. I'm not actually sure uh, what's that referencing. And then back squat ratio. Oh, so I think he's doing the ratio of actually the strength versus the weight. Um, and then his PB for power clean is 90 kilograms. He's 1.8 meters tall and weighs 81 to 82 kilograms. Coach wants him to complete four strength sessions a week on top of 10 pool sessions a week. Usually the gym sessions occur Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And he's cut and pasted a macro plan that the coach has provided to have a clear picture of the buildup and the volume that's planned. So basically, they get back in the water uh, in uh, October here a few weeks ago, and now they're building up. They're doing a longer buildup, a little bit more volume for it looks like four weeks, and then five, looks like five weeks of a shorter buildup, a little less volume. So I'm assuming it's going to shift a little bit more to anaerobic work threshold, uh, stuff like that from the first four weeks. So here's his question. Number one, how many strength and power sessions per week in the long buildup 
versus the short buildup phases. So I think I'm going to go uh, answer one of these questions each at a time, uh, Stephen, and then I think I'll be able to keep track of it a little bit better. So if we have, it looks like four weeks of the long buildup, and I'm assuming that's higher volume, not as much intensity, and then the shorter buildup where it looks like the volume is less and uh, it's a it's another week. So in the longer one, I would say trying to do well, if you have four days scheduled of dry land, that's what I'm going to start with, right? It says your normal schedule is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. So there's only one of those days where it's back to back, Saturday, Sunday. So in my mind, I'm always doing a full body session on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And then what I would plan for Sunday is almost go by feel. And especially because it's just the less than 24 hours after he did a full body session on Saturday, that could look a little bit different. And I would almost use Sunday as my flex day and really also have it depend on what he's doing in the water. Because I think regardless of what he's doing in the water, you would be safe enough to say Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, we're always doing 60 minutes in the gym. And that intensity and volume, we could obviously change based on what he's doing in the pool. Maybe, you know, it's a little bit more mobility on the harder days and on the less intense days or less volume, we could go full bore in the dry line. So I would use that as kind of like my cornerstone of the three full body days. And then Sunday as my flex day, where if it was a less intense week, maybe we do, uh, maybe if he's working on pull-ups, for example, then maybe we get an extra set or two of pull-ups and maybe work on some mobility, maybe work on some core, whatever you feel needs to happen a little bit more. I would use Sunday as my flex day. So between the long buildup and the short buildup phase, I don't think I would really change if I'm doing uh, the full body session on the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. I think you're pretty set in that. What I do think is though, you need to keep uh, a monitor of how is the athlete doing as the volume builds up or as the intensity increases. Maybe you just need to repeat a week every now and then just to let the athlete be able to adapt and not get buried under the work that's happening in both the pool and land. Because if you're doing 10 sessions a week in the pool and you're in the gym four sessions a week too, it, it is just a, a lot to handle. And you need to make sure you're on top of the recovery aspect too, because if they're not recovering, all the work is not going to have as much of an effect. So with this many sessions in mind, that's my number one thing is keeping a pretty good uh tap on where the athlete's fatigue is, how much they have to give. And remember, always priority, it's in the water. And so if that means Dryland has to sacrifice a little bit of intensity or volume so that he can make some test sets or if it's a meet coming up, whatever, I'm always going to make that choice. So uh, long answer to number one. Number two, should an upper and lower body split be used for, say, two sessions and a total body program for, say, the other two sessions if it's four times per week in the gym? So I kind of already answered that, Stephen. I really like doing three full body sessions as long as I have a full uh, 24, 48-hour period in between. And then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sets up really well. I think the Sunday flex day, like I was talking about, is your best bet. And here's the argument I'd make for it too. So if you did a split session, so let's say two days you're doing upper body, two days you're doing lower body, you're only hitting those movement categories two times in a week because you're doing a split routine. You're only getting two. Whereas if I do a full body three times a week and I have a flex, 
I'm hitting every movement category three times a week and sometimes even four if I sneak one in on Sunday. So I always am going to lean towards that setup than a split routine. I very rarely preferred a split routine. Um, and off the top of my head, I cannot remember of an instance where a swimmer was best served with a split routine based on their goals, their history, the schedule, and all of that stuff. I feel I just always am going to default to a three times a week with that. And I'm sure some of that is preference too, but I look at it too again about how many instances of stimulus am I getting for all five movement categories. And if I split it, I'm only getting two at most. If I go three times and a flex, I know I'm getting three. So that's just one more each week. I, I think that is the way to go with that. All right, number three question. The coach has a very fixed idea that this swimmer must get even stronger. He has watched the likes of Caleb Dressel train in the US. So this type of swimmer is his reference point with the distance this athlete is planned to swim. He can focus on max strength, low reps, high volume, 85 plus percent intensity key for lifts, uh, be realistically implemented across the entire week. So can max strength be realistically implemented across the entire week? Or should strength, speed, speed, strength, low force uh, power or rate of force development also be included? So great question here. What I would remind the coach of, number one, uh, Stephen, is Yes, Caleb Dressel is extremely strong, but he has taken it to another level in terms of the power. And the power is what's driving one of the fastest starts in the world off the blocks. It's what's able to give him that vertical leap. It's what's able to give him the explosiveness. So don't just focus on strength. And I'm glad your coach is of the mindset of, I want to get strong, but at a certain point, once we've got a swimmer strong enough, quote unquote, and if you're at all going through the surge strength drown certification, you will know what I'm talking about. We have certain levels that we can say, okay, strength is pretty good. We can check it. Now what happens when the athlete gets there is we shift to a more power focus. So I understand, you know, if you could do 20 plus pull-ups at some point, going from 20 to 25, how much is that helping versus if we could do five pull-ups faster? or do different things with bands and, and, and resistance a little bit for exercise like a, a med ball slam or something like that. So at some point, you're going to get more diminishing returns if you continue to chase strength, as opposed to if you then shift the focus. And yes, we still want to make sure we're having some strength stimulus, but now the majority of the focus should be on the power. And the difference between strength and power is the time element. It's how quick can this happen or how often can it happen over and over again? Strength is a one-time thing. The power is repetitive or how much, how fast can it happen in that set amount of time? So to answer your question, I think that if you did the schedule I was saying, Tuesday, Thursday, uh, Saturday, full body, you could probably do max strength, but I'm not sure you need to. And I would go back to what we talk about in the dryland certification is the three phases that we go through. We try to keep it simple, right? And Stephen, you're probably talking on another level. I can tell, obviously, by the things you're telling me. We could probably dissect these phases even more that we talk about because you're you're talking at a higher level. And I, I can understand that and appreciate it. But I always try to make it as simple as possible, too. So I'm thinking my three phases, strength, strength, power, power. So 
With this athlete, if he has a very extensive training background, what I would play around with and what I did when I worked with elite level swimmers that were trying to make the Olympic team that were trying to win gold medals and world records is we would change the phase almost every day of the week. So I would, instead of thinking how much can you get in in a week, I would more look at the month or even a little bit bigger than a month, maybe a few months or a quarter at a time. And then I would look at if you feel like the strength is is there, if the strength is sufficient for the strength coach's perspective, and I'm not saying the swim coach's perspective because maybe we need to educate him a little bit more on the difference between strength and power. But if you feel the strength is pretty well set, then I would plan out, okay, in a given month, if you have four sessions in a week, so it's 28 sessions, round up to 30. So you have 30 sessions to play with. If we want to shift to more power, off the top of my head, I'm going to say, hey, let's try to have between 15 and 20 sessions power focus. So either strength or strength power. And maybe even if we divide up into three, so we could make this really simple, we could say, all right, if we have 30 sessions, we're starting out with 10 for each of the three phases, strength, strength, power, power, each get 10. But I want to shift more to the power side. So I might whittle down the strength phases instead of having that 10 times, maybe only five. So now that gives me 25 sessions to divide between two. So <laughs> 12 and 13, something like that. So you could have five sessions of strength in a given month, 12 sessions of strength power, and 13 sessions of power. That's how I would start to think about that. And then reverse engineer where I'm putting those sessions based on what the coach is going to do in the water when. So when he's going to be extremely exhausted from a high volume day, that's when I'm putting my strength workouts in. Because honestly, they're the least important to me in this phase. And I need the swimmer to be as fresh as possible for the power. I also don't know if you're swimming and lifting before or after, or if there's some space that would go into my decision-making as well. But overall, Stephen, uh, great question. I love how you're thinking through this and I appreciate you letting me use the podcast here to uh, relay the response to you. I'm sure a lot of other coaches are on some level thinking the same things and wondering the same kind of questions of, all right, do I do the split routine? How many times am I going to do this? What phase am I going to do? So appreciate your work and can trying to always find uh, the best solution. Let us know how it goes. And hopefully, like I said, fingers crossed for Tokyo 2021, we're going to see how fast athletes are able to go even when they've been out of the water for a while because dry land can do that for you. So thanks guys. We'll see you next time. Have you joined the Surge Strength Academy yet? It's now free to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy and raise your Dryland IQ. Visit surge-strength.com to learn more and enroll today. That's surge-strength.com to enroll in the Surge Strength Academy. The goal of Surge Strength is simple. Build better athletes to generate faster swimmers.